This morning we're continuing on the Spirit of God. We're going through the Word of God, looking at the Spirit of God. The Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can learn, and I'm telling you, what we've been learning so far about looking at the Spirit of God is so rich and so good that uh, I, I just get excited in, in, in allowing the Lord to, to show me uh, for things. Last week we were talking about, again, how, how Saul was uh, anointed of God. God put his spirit upon Saul, remember, when the, the people wanted a king. They, they didn't want God to be ruling over him, over them. And they said, we want a man just like all the other nations, and we want a king over us, just like all the other nations. Isn't it sad when God wants to provide for you, but some, but that person is not satisfied in God's provision, and they think that they know better than God? Well, that's what Israel was doing. They're saying, Lord, we, we want to do things a little bit differently. We want to do things our way. How many of you know it's better to do things God's way? Amen? Why? Because God's the glory and the lifter of your head. God, as Dave said, wants you to prosper, wants you to be blessed, wants you to walk in the ways of the Lord. And so Israel says, we want a king. And so God says, all right. But you're not just going to have anybody. And he picked out Saul, and he he told Samuel to go. And Saul said, "I'm the least of my tribe of Benjamin, and why are you picking me?" And and that's the way God does things. He picked Israel not because they were the greatest of nations. The Word of God says, "I picked you because you were the least of the nations that the world would know that the Lord raised you up." And the same with Saul. He wasn't the greatest of his tribe. He wasn't popular amongst his people. He was the least of the least. And God says, I'm choosing you, raising you up, and I'm going to put my spirit in you. That's the difference. That's the difference. That's the magna, that's the ma- that's the, the life-changing part is that God put his spirit in Saul. Without God's spirit in Saul, Saul would have no ability he would not have been able to do what God enabled him to do. So it is, so it is with us. When God puts his spirit in you, you then become enabled and equipped to do the work of the Lord. How many of you know we're all, we are all doing the work of the Lord? We are all. Yes, we are. We are lights. We are filled with the spirit of God. And so Saul, you, you know, it says in, in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 9, so it was when he had turned his back after God sent Samuel to anoint him, and Samuel anointed him, it says when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave Saul, gave him another heart, and in verse 10 it says, and the Spirit of God came upon Saul, and Saul, you see what God did, Saul gave him, a, God gave Saul a new heart. What does God give you, give us as believers when we come to him? A new heart and a new spirit. Say, I have a new heart. You, you can say that. That's true. I have a new heart. Say, I have a new heart. I have a new spirit. You have a spirit that is touched by the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit comes in your life. When you accept Jesus as Lord, you, you accept him in your life. And he comes... Package deal. He comes with the Father's love and with the Holy Spirit into your life. And then it's again, it's, it's us saying, Lord, I want you to work in my life. We're activating the, the, the Godhead in our lives, giving him free reign. And so when the Spirit of God came upon Saul, he was able to do it. His days were blessed. He, 
he got victory after victory and, and things were going well with Saul. God comes into your life that you may be. The Word of God tells us that he wants you to be more than a conqueror in him, right? He doesn't want you to go beating up your neighbor and conquering their house and taking their yard. No, God says he wants us to be more than conquerors spiritually and that nothing in this, that no spiritual thing could overtake us or can come to, to take us away from serving and walking with the Lord our God. So we are more than conquerors. We have the ability and the strength to say no to the things that would take us away from our walk with the Lord on our journey to heaven. And that's where the Lord says you are more than conquerors. And we can go, we can go on and on into that, but I just want you to understand that. So Saul's days were blessed when the Spirit of God was upon him. Your days, say my days, are blessed. Because I have the Holy Spirit in me. And if you believe that, if you believe the Word of God, you're not believing that because I said it, the Word of God says it. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, you are blessed. Your days are blessed because you have someone in you. Jesus says, when I go to the Father, wait and I will send the Holy Spirit who will be your comforter to be with you always. And he will remind you of everything that I have said. So who is going to teach you and remind you of the things that Jesus said? The Holy Spirit. The Holy, you could say that, the Holy Spirit. It's not a bad word. The Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is in you to bring you comfort, to bring you strength, and to illuminate you to make the Word of God come alive in your life, in our lives. That's His purpose. And so as Saul walked with that anointing, and that is the anointing over your life. The anointing means the power and ability to do what God wants you to do in His love, in His way. And so as he did that, he was blessed. But then the days came when the people, the people got his focus and his attention and he began to become a man pleaser more than a God pleaser. And not only that, but that got him. You see, there's that gradual pull and it pulled him away from loving the Lord, serving the Lord. And he got to the point where his heart detached itself from the love of God. There was a detachment. There was a breaking there where Saul's heart was no longer there for the Lord. He His heart was now attached to serving the people, doing their desires, getting their favor, getting their flatteries, and getting their approvals. But his heart was attached to the people, not to his first love, who was the Lord. And that's why even in Revelation, the Bible says, Return to your first love. Who's your first love? Jesus. The Bible says, because he first loved us. Amen? And so we see that as he rejected God's word, he lied to the prophet Samuel, he rejected God's word, he literally lied to the Holy Spirit, and that cut all ties because his heart was not there with the Lord. And so then God says, I have rejected Samuel because he's rejected me, God's word says. And then it says in Samuel 16, 14, the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. What a tragedy. What a, what a day-night difference. Pray that, that we walk with the Lord, that our heart before the Lord, before the Lord all the days of our lives. Amen. And praise the Lord. And you remember, 
Well, we'll get to that later. But now we look to, 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 to David. You see, well, go with me first to 1 Samuel chapter 16. They had to leave. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse number 1. And Samuel was the prophet of God. He was the man of God. Now, he was serving God. His heart was for the Lord, Samuel. I want you to understand it. Samuel had a heart for the Lord. But he was a, because he had a heart for God, he had a heart that was compassionate to the people. Whether they, whether they were doing right or not, he still had a heart for them. And so Samuel started to weep and, and, and feel bad for Saul because Saul rejected the word of God and Samuel was weeping. How many of you know that pastors that have true hearts, when someone walks away or, or, or is not serving the Lord, we weep. There's a, there's, a heart, there's, there, there's a hurt in our heart and in our spirit. We weep. But in this case, where Saul totally rejected the word of God and the man of God, then God said to Samuel, Samuel, stop it. Stop your weeping for Saul because he's rejected me and it's over. He says, now Samuel, now Samuel was anointed. He had the spirit of God on him. But God says to him, now Samuel, fill your flask. And the Bible tells us, don't look at what's going on with the people around your life. You need to be concerned about filling your flask with the Holy Spirit, with the anointing oil of the Lord. You know the story of the ten virgins? That's, that as, as even Gary Wood was bringing out, there was, the, there was those who were, had their, had their tanks full, so to speak, and those, those were, that were running on empty. And so the Lord says, listen, we need to be concerned about ourselves. Yes, we have compassion and about others, but the focus has to be directed again. Not about what someone else is doing or not doing. The focus has to be is what are we doing as individuals? Are we looking to get filled up with the word of God and with the Holy Spirit in our lives that we may serve him? Again, Samuel wasn't slacking. Samuel wasn't backsliding. Samuel wasn't doing anything wrong. The only thing Samuel, the prophet of God, was doing was putting his focus onto man and and he was putting too much focus there that was taking his attention away from what God wanted him to do. And God says, Samuel, stop, stop putting all that focus on on Samuel, on uh, Saul, and put your focus back on me. He says, fill your flask with oil, with the anointing oil, and get going, Samuel. God says, get going. Fill yourself up. When you fill your tank up with gas... You're filling it up. Now get going. Go somewhere. Do something with it. Don't just let your tank be full and sit there. So God is, in the spiritual sense I'm talking now, God told Samuel, fill your flask with oil. Look to me, Samuel. I've got a mission for you. God has a purpose for every one of your lives. And God is saying to you, don't look at people around you and wonder why they're doing what they're doing or what, why they're not doing what they're doing. And, and, and don't put your, fo- put your focus on the Lord and say, Lord, fill my flask with the anointing oil of the Holy Spirit and show me what your task for me is. What is my, what is my purpose in your kingdom? And that's why we says every one of us has a purpose and a place and a task for the cause of Christ in the house of the Lord. And so the Lord tells us, put your focus on getting yourself, your vessel, fill your tank up with the Holy Spirit and the anointing and say, Lord, 
I want to get going. Like Sam, like you told Samuel, I want to get going. What is it you want me to do in the house of the Lord for the cause of Christ, for the kingdom of God? And so God says, that's the focus, Samuel. That's the focus. He wasn't mad at Samuel. He was just refocusing. And that's what we got to do. Refocus. Refocus on, on ourselves, on our individual and on ourselves as a church and as a body that we want to be filled with that anointing oil of God. And so we just thank you. Keep your focus on your part and your call in the body of Christ. And so then God moves over to David. When Saul disconnected from God, there was a young man, again, a young man named David. He had brothers, but he was out with the sheep, in the sheepfold. He was the least of his family. And isn't that wonderful? Who's the least in the family? Anybody? God's going to, well, God says, David, you're the least out there with the sheep. And he sent Samuel, and Samuel looked at all the brothers, and they all paraded before him. And one was handsome, one was strong, one was... And Samuel, this got to be him. That, and God said, no. And he said, there's David, the least of them. And he said, David, come, you're, you're the one. You're the least, you're going to be the king of Israel. And David had a heart for the Lord. He was out in the fields with the sheep, but he was praising God with his, uh, with his, whatever he was playing out there. And he was, you know, making melody to the Lord. And he, how many of you know the story? He slew the bear. He slew the lion, right? Because he was protective of the sheep, of that which God, which his family had put him over. And so, see, God knew that he had a heart that was right. And he wasn't going to let no lion or no bear eat his sheep. I'm not going to let no bear or lion eat you either. If I see a bear or lion coming after you, I'll rip his... Me and Joe have been working out, so look out. (laughs) Praise the Lord. But he called to David and, 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 and he said to Samuel, Go, arise and anoint him with oil. And you see the order. There's always an order. God uses a man of God to go and anoint and raise up another man of God, that that man of God can be anointed by the Holy Spirit to do the task that God has called him to do. God never puts a man or woman in place of leadership or as a over his people that is not anointed by the Holy Spirit because God does not want his people to be misused or abused or... And so God, Samuel goes and he takes the horn of oil and he gets David after that whole process and he anoints him with oil and the Bible says the Spirit of God rushed upon David, rushed upon him and David became anointed to be able to be the leader of God's people because he had the Holy Spirit on him. Now the Bible in the Old Testament doesn't say the Holy Spirit, it says the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of God. But how do you know that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit didn't change? He wasn't the Spirit of God in the Old Testament and became the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. No. He was always and always will be the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. The Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so David became anointed by Samuel, by the man of God, touching another man, anointing, and there was a transfer of anointing. There was that anointing from a man of God to another man of God, and David was filled with the Holy Spirit, with the Spirit of God, to be able to do the work of the Lord. That's why all of us, any of us in this room, we must look to the Holy Spirit to empower us and enable us to do anything for the Lord.
We cannot and should not try to do anything without looking to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, help me, strengthen me, guide me, give me the wisdom, teach me, give me all that I need to live for the Lord, wherever you go. If you're going through Bloomberg Fair, Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me, be with me, that if there's an opportunity, I will be able to, to know it and, and lead me and guide me in that. And so now we want to look at a, a, another man. We're going to go to Chronicles chapter 12. Well, first I want to go to uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Because we're talking here about Saul and David. Matthew chapter number uh, 6, verse number 24, where again, you see the old, the, the, Jesus is the fulfillment of the old. The old is not worthless. The old is valuable and precious. It is holy and good for us to understand and know. Jesus fulfilled everything in himself. And he says, learn from the old. These are examples given unto you to learn from. And when Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 24, he was talking about a people in the beginning there. He was talking about people that were laying up their, their treasures uh, on this earth. And they were their eyes were looking at, uh, at other things that were leading them away from the Lord. And Jesus says, no. He says, you know, wherever your heart is, that's where your treasure lies. And he says, for this reason, in verse 24, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man at the same time. You've got to serve God or you've got to serve man. Saul, listen, Saul chose to, to serve man. He was serving God and he chose to serve man. And what happened? We don't want that to happen to us, do we? David chose to serve God, and as he served God, he became a servant of men, but he wasn't serving men. You understand what I'm saying? David was serving God, and he became a servant to men, where Saul became a servant to man and was not serving God. And so the Bible, the New Testament, Jesus tells us that we must choose, we must choose To serve the Lord our God. How many want to serve the Lord and be filled with His Holy Spirit? That's what it's about. God wants to bless your life. He wants to, He's the watchman over your life. He's the provider and caretaker of your life. And so that's why God says serve Him. As Dave read this morning in in the Gospel where Jesus says, God alone shall you worship and Him only shall you serve. And so as we serve the Lord our God, He fills us with His Holy Spirit when we come to Jesus, and He gives us that ability and anointing to be able to work with Him. Now go to 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse number 18. And there's a man called Amasai. And it says in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse number 18, Then the Spirit came upon Amasai, chief of the captains, and he said to David, he said, David, we are yours, O David. We are on your side, O son of Jesse. Peace, peace be to you, and peace to your helpers, for your God helps you. So David received them and made them captains of the troop. What I want you to see here is that when God raises up a man and puts a spirit upon him, He does not leave him by himself, him or her. He brings alongside of that man 
other spirit-filled individuals to help in the work of the Lord. God never does it by one person. He always brings someone else alongside to hold up the hand. Remember Moses, he brought Aaron and her to hold up his hands. And while he did, they had the victory. And so David, being to be king of Israel, couldn't do it himself. God didn't want him to do it himself. God doesn't raise up lone rangers to go and ride by themselves. Now there's times when that may be necessary, but God, in the overall work that God had for David in raising and blessing the house, brought alongside of him other spirit-filled men, divine helpers. How many of you here are helpers, are looking to help the work of the Lord along? You all are. You can all raise your hand. You all are helpers in bringing the work of the Lord along. And they said to him, David, we are yours. That means we're putting ourselves, we're joining the platoon here at BCC. That's basically what Amasai said. We're joining the platoon. We want to be part of what God is doing here. We came to help. It didn't say we came to take over or to tell you what our, our thoughts and ideas. It says we came to help, to come alongside. And whatever God shows us to do, let's do it. We are here to hold up your hands. and So God always brings spirit-filled people to come alongside to further God's cause and God's work. If people try to build or do things without the Holy Spirit, things don't go awry. They don't go right. People get used and misused, abused and burnt out and all other things. The Spirit of God never burns you out. The Spirit of God never makes you go away with tears in your eyes. Saying, oh, I wish I never did that. No, the Spirit of God brings joy into all that you do for the glory and the kingdom of the Lord. And he says, and peace to your helpers, for God helps you. So David received them. David said, all right, you have the spirit of God. you got the right heart and the right spirit. Come on, you're going to be part of, of the platoon here. And it says, and he made them captains of the troop. And so within Bloomsburg Community Church, those that are spirit have the spirit of God, that believe in the spirit of God and the working of the spirit of God, that come alongside, we're going to say, yeah, we're going to receive you and we're going to put you in 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 positions that will help the body grow and prosper and and be the best it can be. And so we see it here that there were captains; they were the platoon. They loved the cause of Christ. They were fighters fighting for for the cause of Christ. And so they were divine helpers who come alongside. And it says in First Chronicles chapter 12, 38, if you go down, it says, All these men of war, the people that came alongside and said, David, we're coming alongside of you. We're spirit-filled. We got one heart. They were men of war. Meaning people, men and women of war, who were not going to lay down to, 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 the, to the onslaught of the enemy that would try to pull them away from the, from the work of the Lord. They were warriors. How many of you know you are a warrior? Oh, yes, you are. You're, if, you're, if you're a born-again believer, you are a soldier in the army of God. You are a warrior, a spiritual warrior. Yes, you are. Onward, Christian soldiers, they sing, right? The word of God is, we are more than conquerors. Well, if you're, if you're a conqueror, you're a warrior. The Bible makes clear you are warriors. And they said all these men of war who could keep ranks. You know what that means, keep ranks? Do things in divine order. Keep rank. It means stay in, in the way that God ordained things to be. We were talking about divine order. Keep ranks. God said, we are able to keep rank. Be in our place that God has placed us so that we can all 
function together. And they came with a loyal heart, it says in verse 28, with a loyal heart. They came in divine order, with the right spirit, the right heart. And they said, we want to do things in right order, in God's way. We want to keep the ranks here at Bloomsburg Community Church. And it says, and all the rest who were not in positions of leadership, it says, all the rest of Israel were of one mind, the same thing, to, to do the work of the Lord. And so the Bible... Uh, this is the, the Bible tells us that, again, God brings us together. We're here together at Bloomsburg Community Church. Why? To do the work of the Lord. And we can only do it through the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so we, we desire to get filled, to be filled continually with the Spirit of God so that He can lead us and guide us and do uh, great things in our midst. Amen? And it is when we desire that infilling of the Holy Spirit, when we worship the Lord, that's why it's so powerful in our times of worship. They all had one heart. They were one platoon. And the result? Victory. 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 You need victory in your life? You need victory over a situation or circumstance? The Holy Spirit. Part of the platoon. The Holy Spirit at work in us brings us victory as we pray and believe God one for another. 2 Samuel chapter 23, David's last words, as he was about to leave this earth and be present with the Lord, the Lord God that he served, and how many of you know someday you will stand face to face with the Lord whom you love, the Lord whom you serve, and one day we pray to hear those words as we look Jesus in the eye, and everyone will have to look Jesus in the eye. And hear his words. And we pray we will hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so why do we come together on a Sunday? Why do we meet whenever we can? To encourage one another. To be faithful. To be committed to the cause of Christ. To the work of the Lord here that he's given us. That we can hear that. And in 2 Samuel chapter 23 verses 1 to 3. Especially verse number 2. David said, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and His Word was on my tongue. We need to, again, look to the Spirit of God to help us in every conversation that we have with anyone. And especially if we're witnessing to someone or telling someone about God's love, we need to have the Holy Spirit rise up within us that He can give us the words we need to say. We need a dependency. We need to understand our dependency upon the Holy Spirit of God who takes the Word of God and brings it forth like a river, a mighty river of living water. We can't prime the pump without the Holy Spirit. The Word of God in us needs to be with the Holy Spirit coming forth in power and might. And so David said, The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me in His Word. His Word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said, The Rock of Israel spoke to me. Listen what he says in verse 3. He who rules over men must, He who rules over men must be just, Ruling in the what? Fear of God. In the fear of the Lord. 
That is why God fills men with His Holy Spirit, with the Spirit of God. Because when they're filled with the Spirit of God and they got the right heart, their heart is going to be to serve God and to fear Him. And when they fear God reverently, they're not going to use or misuse the people of God. Because they know someday you will give an account to the Lord. When you look the Lord in the eye, He's going to want to know why you did what you did with His people. That's why everybody wants to be a teacher. Everybody wants to be a preacher. But understand, as you stand in those positions of teacher or preacher, you're bringing yourself into higher accountability before the Lord. And so you got to look at the people of God with love and compassion and mercy and kindness and look to help them grow in the Lord, to help them draw nigh unto God, to help you grow in your most holy faith. And the greatest way we do that is to say you need to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit of God to help you, to be enabled you to get strengthened and to know the Word of God. Why do we have Sunday school? Why do we get together for Bible study? To help you get rooted and grounded in the Word of God. In your most holy faith. And the Word of God and the Holy Spirit are so important. And so we not we need not to be afraid to be teachers or, or pastors or leaders. But we have to understand it's not just a position. It's not just a title. It's an accountability to the Lord God. And we need to have the Holy Spirit prepare us to go into those places. And even as believers, as you witness to someone, you need to do it in the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit of the Lord. And so it's God's way, it's God's designs, it's God's desires, it's God choosing to have spirit-filled men and women who reverence and fear God. And so the three things that you see in that verse is that God says He wants you to be spirit-filled, He wants you to have compassion for God's people, and He wants you to fear Him. Reverently fear, reverent fear, reverent fear. I'm not talking fear where you're, you're shaking, quaking your boots that God is going to beat you up. No, reverent fear that what you're doing, you're serving a holy God. And he's, he's, he's not someone you could just, he, he's, not, he's not serving you at McDonald's. You're not pulling up to the window and say, well, I want this and I want that and I want this and you better give it to me or else. No, he's God. You say, thank you, Lord, for all that you've given me. Thank you for that whatever. And so it's approaching God with reverence. God wants to bless you abundantly and give you things, but approach Him reverently. Too many people have an irreverence for God. And they treat God like a dispenser, like you owe me, God. you got to give me, God. And no. God wants you to serve Him out of love and compassion and mercy. And you know Elijah... You remember the story? See, this is, again, you understand, and here, it's about the Holy Spirit. It's about the Spirit of God at work in your life. And He's played a role from creation all the way through the New Testament, all the way into the New Testament, and will be with us forever. The Holy Spirit didn't just come on the scene in the New Testament. He was active working in the lives of God's people from beginning of creation, all the way through the Old Testament, and all the way into the New. But in the New Testament, Testament, as we're going to see later, he comes in a special and a new, more empowering way. But God never discounted the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Never, never, never. 
And so we got to understand the Holy Spirit is throughout God's Word, throughout God's dealing with man. He dealt with them through His Word and through His Holy Spirit. No one, no one can discount or disvalue the importance and the prominence and the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. He is necessary. He is real. He is needed. He is important. He is invaluable to your life and your walk with the Lord. And Elisha, you know Elijah. How many of you know Elijah was a man of God, working miracles, powerful? And Elijah was a, was a servant. Elijah was, Elisha, Elisha was serving Elijah. You got it. Elisha, Elisha was serving Elijah. Elijah was a man of God, and nobody could say that he was, you know, he was a great man of God. And Elisha, his servant, was there serving him, serving him. And when Elijah was going up, when the chariots of God was about ready to come, he said to Elisha, ask what you will and, and, and of, of me. And Elisha asked Elijah for a double portion of his spirit. He wasn't satisfied. He loved the man of God. He served him with with all diligence, but he wasn't satisfied. He wanted more of what even Elijah had. We, when we come to church on Sunday, we can never be satisfied with what we have. We got to be wanting, not disrespecting what we do have, but we got to be desirous to have more, to go beyond where we are today. And Elisha had that heart and he had that vision because the Spirit of God. You see, because he had a servant's heart for the Lord and for the man of God. And he says, oh, we, how many of you want revival? How many of you want to see great, the greater things than you see now happening? All, every hand should go up. Every heart should be beating. Yes, Lord. And so that's, we got to have the spirit of Elisha and say, I want to see things greater than they are. Even though this is right now, this is great. You can't say what Elijah was doing was not great. It was great. Fantastic. But Elisha said, I know God is greater than we are, Elijah. And we believe God for... That's why Jesus says, greater things, greater things will you do than, than I. And so we got to learn from these lessons of the Word of God that our hunger and thirst, we can never become complacent. We can never become satisfied in just what we have or where we are. we got to be wanting to move on and onward and upward in the Lord. And Lord, we know that you can do greater things here. We know that you can do greater things in my life, in our lives, and, and you can raise us up greater than we are. Never be satisfied. Never be complacent. This is the will of God. This is the Word of God. And some people say, oh, that's prideful. That's of the devil. People that say that that's of the devil, it's not the Word of God. The Word of God says, I want to bring you upward. I want to increase you and enlarge you and, and build you up. This is God. This is the Word of God. Don't let any man lie to you. Don't let any church or person lie to you and say, oh, you just got to be humble and look for the little low thing. No. You humble yourself before the face of God and He will raise you up. But He raises you up. He wants to make you mighty in the things. And so as Elisha had that heart and spirit, I want a double portion. How many of you know God, through Christ, giving us the Holy Spirit to indwell us, has given us more than a double portion? And so we've got to be saying, Lord, if I got more than Elijah, and if I got more than Elisha, whoa, 
Why am I not expecting? Why am I not expecting? Why am I not expecting great things when I come to the house of the Lord? Why am I not expecting? And so we got to reevaluate. We got to refocus ourselves, our, 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 our inward person and say, Lord, why? I should be expecting more greater things. Help me. Help me to expect greater things when I go to the house of the Lord. Help me to expect greater things when I go onto my job. Help me to expect promotion. Help me to expect uh, that you'll provide and bless my everything that I put my hands to. We need to have that expectancy in Christ, that expectancy in the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. It is not my word. It's the word of the Lord to us. Expect great things because you have a great and glorious God, a Father who loves you, who cares about you. Don't let any man lie to you and rob you of your inheritance, rob you of what God has in store for you. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy your hopes, your dreams, and your desires, and your walk with the Lord. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That means I want to raise you up. Hallelujah. Believe the Word of God. But He does it through the Holy Spirit in Him. Even in Cyrus, in Ezra chapter 1, God was concerned about His people and His house. And he stirred the heart of Cyrus, the king of Persia, and he commanded him. He put it in his heart. By his spirit, he stirred the heart of Cyrus. And Cyrus says, who is among you all of all his people? May God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is Jerusalem, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. And he says, every one of you that has items, let him bring it. Bring the silver, he said, bring the gold, bring everything that you have, that the house of the Lord may be built up. So why did the Spirit of God touch Cyrus's heart and give Cyrus the king to make a decree to say, go build the house of the Lord and those who got any means, you go and you, you sow into that work that the house of the Lord be built. The Spirit of God is concerned about his house being built up. God wants to build his church. And he puts it in the hearts of people to get behind that work and build, build, build the house of God. How do you build it? By getting spirit-filled, having your heart transformed, expecting greater things, and sowing, sowing, sowing into the work, sowing into the work, your time, your treasures, your talents. You sow into the work like Cyrus commanded the people. He commanded them. Every one of you sow into the work that the house of the Lord may be built. And so the, the work of the Lord is at work in us to build us up as individuals, but to build up his church, to build up his body. Because as we read this morning, where two or three am I, there am I in their midst. I have two more scriptures I want to give you for this morning. The Israelites in Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 20 it says that, Lord, you gave of your good spirit to instruct them. Why does God give us his Holy Spirit? To instruct us, to teach us. That the Holy Spirit in us enables us to understand, like we cannot without him, understand the word of God. 
The Holy Spirit is our teacher. He's our instructor. He builds us up and he instructs us. So even in Nehemiah, it says you gave your good spirit to instruct them. And not only did you instruct them, but it says you didn't hold your manna from them and you didn't let them go thirsty. When you're walking with the Lord, when you're hungry for the Lord and you want the Spirit of God at work in your life, God provides, as as in Matthew, as we read, He adds all these things. He knows what you need. He knows you need manna. He knows you need water. And God knows you need, He knows what you need. But it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things, all the manna, all the water, all that you need will be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And it says in verse, in Nehemiah 9, verse 30, But yet even though, it says, For yet for many years you had patience with them, and testified against them by your spirit in your prophets, and yet they would not listen. God, through men, speaks. His spirit of, the spirit of God upon men, upon the prophets, were speaking to the people to get on fire for the Lord. Walk with the Lord. Serve the Lord. So, build the house of God. And it says that many years, many years, the people would not listen. Would not listen. But he had to say, God has long-suffering. God has patience. Thank God. Thank God he had patience for me. I wouldn't be here today. Thank God he's long-suffering over my life. But even here in Nehemiah, he says, you were many years, you had patience with them, bringing your prophets to speak the word, and they would not listen. And it says, nevertheless, your great mercy. You are a God gracious and merciful. God is a merciful and a gracious God. And that's why we need to refocus and return to the things of the Lord, to love the Lord, be filled with His Holy Spirit, to have a hunger and thirst for His Word, to come together and to build the house of the Lord. So our time, our talent, and our treasures into the work of the Lord, that God be glorified in all things. And in Job chapter 32, it says, There is a spirit in man, and the breath of the Almighty, the Spirit of God, gives him understanding. And again in 33 verse 4, Job says, in Job it says, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of Almighty gives me life. The Spirit of God gives you understanding. The Spirit of God is, is your life. It brings life to us. And I want to just... In this sustaining Psalm 51, we all know this, Psalm 51, verse 10. God gives us His Holy Spirit that we may have a willing heart and a willing spirit for the things of God. David said in Psalm 51, verse 10, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit in me. God wants us to be faithful and committed. Verse 11, do not cast me away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. You hear what David's cry is? Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. There's nothing more precious or valuable in this life than the Spirit of God in you. And our prayer is, Lord, give me a clean heart. Give me a steadfast spirit to love you and to serve you. Don't let this Holy Spirit leave me. There's nothing, nothing more precious and valuable than your Holy Spirit. What does he bring? Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. When the Holy Spirit is at work in you, joy fills your life. Jesus says, I've come that you might have joy and that your joy may be what? Full. And so when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, He's at work in you to bring forth joy. 
Hallelujah. I got the joy of the Lord and I got joy. Praise God. Hallelujah. But God brings His Holy Spirit to bring us joy. Our salvation, the life we have in Christ should be joyful and exciting and exuberant. And he says, restore the the joy of your salvation and uphold me. Keep me by your generous spirit. God holds nothing back. He gives the Holy Spirit in full supply that we may have all things. And what happens to David? What is he saying? When you give me a clean heart, Lord God, and you make me steadfast, faithful, and committed, and, and you take not your spirit from me, but you fill me with your spirit, then I have joy. Then, then I have everything that I need by your generosity, by your love, by, by the, the provisions of Christ. I can do all things by Christ who strengthens me. Right? God shall provide all things by Christ in you. And he says, then I will teach transgressors your way. Then I will be able to take your word and let it go. Not just be in me, but be able to spread it to the world around me. And how does he do that? I will teach. You can't teach unless you're prepared. And so we need to take time to sit before the Lord with the Word of God and learn to grow in the Word of God, to gain an understanding of God's love and mercy, to be workmen rightly dividing, and then go. So it's a clean heart, a steadfast spirit, not being uh, minus the Holy Spirit, but being full of Him, having the joy and all that things. And so even here at Bloomsburg Community Church, we want the Holy Spirit to fill us And I just want to end with this. Psalm 104. Psalm 104. You send forth your spirit and they are created. When you became a new creation, you were recreated anew. Amen? That's what born again means. Created anew. So the Holy Spirit in you recreates you from what you used to be to what you are now. A new Creation. Say, I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, you are. If you're a new creation in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And you just got to say, Holy Spirit, have your way within me. Rise up within me and, and just you know illuminate me to the truths of God's Word. And it says, you renew the Holy Spirit. You renew the face of the earth. God brings revival. God brings renewal. His Holy Spirit in you. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in His works. Verse number 33. What happens when you get filled with the Holy Spirit? I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. And my praise to my God while I still have my being. When you've got the Spirit of God in you, you cannot keep your mouth closed when it comes to praising God. You just can't. Because He's your joy, He's your provider, He's your provision. And so the Spirit of God causes you to rejoice. That's why when Jesus was going, He said, He said, if you don't cry out, God will make these rocks to cry out. Because God made a people to praise Him. God made a people to give glory to His name. He made us a people of praise and worship to Him. Why do we come to church and why do we praise and worship God? Because we just feel like that's the right thing to do? Because the Spirit within us tells us and teaches us that He's worthy of all praise and glory and honor. And when we come together as believers filled with the Spirit of God, 
born again, we've got to sing the praises of God. We've got to open our mouth. We've got to lift our hands. Whatever, whatever. But we just got to have that freedom and openness by the Spirit of God to praise Him. It says, while as long as I live. That means not just on holidays. Not just on Sunday mornings. It means every day of my life. I will praise my maker and my creator, my God. And it says, may my meditation be sweet to him. What does that mean? Opening the word of God. Reading the word of God for yourself. Meditating on it. Thinking about it. What did Mary say? Mary meditated on the things that were said to her. She pondered them. When you read the Psalms, you come to that verse that says, Selah. That means stop. Think about what you just read. Pause, take a break, and ponder what you just read. Think about it. Let it sink in, is what that word Selah means. And so here it's saying, I meditate. Lord, I meditate. And it says, finally, I will be... What? I will be... What? I can't hear you. I will be... The Spirit of God and the Word of God in you doesn't make you sad. That's why the New Testament, you have the Sadducees. And sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection, and so they were sad. Sad, you see. God didn't make us sad, you see. God made us glad. Glad, 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 glad. Say, I'm glad. glad. Let me see. Make a smile and say, I'm glad. glad. If you got Christ in you, if he's your Savior, if he's your Lord, you should be glad and rejoice in it. Paul, the, the Word of God says, I rejoice. Oh, and again, I say rejoice always. In the Lord, because the Spirit of God at work in you makes you glad, makes you glad to have a Savior and a Lord watchful over your life, giving you an opportunity to serve Him and to love Him and to know Him. And we thank God for this body of Christ here at Bloomsburg Community Church, the platoon that God has has raised up. And He's raising up Spirit-filled men and women to come alongside, to be part of this platoon and work to move it forward, onward, and upward for the glory of God, for the cause of the kingdom of God. Stand with me this morning.